Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. We're going to kick off with what I think will be an interview that could well spark an interesting, revealing Open House discussion. Here's the question. How much does the vibe of a building, a style of church, a style of worship, service, meeting, whatever you call it, shape your Christian faith? I suspect more than we might think or want to acknowledge. The other really interesting thing about this is that this question has been raised by a woman who says she hovers between atheism and agnosticism, but it doesn't prevent her from raising some thought-provoking points about God. She's Dr. Elizabeth Farrelly, and she's drawn a contrast initially between two buildings. One we spoke about a few weeks ago when the brand spanking new church, St. Barnabas Anglican Church at Broadway, was opened. The other, the older, far, far more traditional Christchurch St. Lawrence with its Latin and incense, pews and shadows, as she puts it. After we've heard from Elizabeth, I'd love your response to this. How much of your faith do you think is shaped, like it or not, by the vibe, the style, the tradition or not? Should our faith be shaped that way? Give us a call, one three hundred forty twenty twenty. Elizabeth Farrelly is an author, Fairfax columnist, essayist and architecture critic. Interesting mix. Elizabeth, welcome to Open House. Thank you. It's great to have you with us. By the sound of it, you had quite a traditional church upbringing yourself and you loved it. It wasn't really all that strong, to be honest. My father was a, had been brought up a Catholic and had rejected it and become a scientist instead. <laughs> and my mother was brought up a Baptist, I think, and we kids went were taken to the Anglican church up the road, partly because it was beautiful and partly because it was close. <laughs> what was very strong in my family was a sense of goodness, especially for my mother, and a sense of responding to beauty. This was in Auckland. There's a series of churches which are known as the Bishop Selwyn churches, which are sort of timber gothic and very poetic is the word. They're very pretty churches, sort of white um, timber on the outside and dark timber on the inside. And you've been struck by the intrusion of the modern world into that kind of style (laughs) by a conversation you overheard just near St Barnabas Broadway. Take us through that conversation. This was sort of a little bit on our our church crawl, as it were. We were heading from uh, Barney's, as it's known, to the opposite end of the spectrum, which is Christchurch St. Lawrence and Railway Square, which is a very secret uh, little church, which I think of as being a kind of sanctuary of high churchness. And on the footpath outside, almost outside the church, was a group of girls who looked as though they were tourists and they were complaining about the carillion, about the sound of the bells that were interfering with their phone lives, essentially. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was just funny. How did it strike you? I mean, it was funny and sort of sweet in its own peculiar way, but also, I suppose, there's a little bit of disappointment in me, which thinks these girls who clearly don't have any sense of the poetry of the call to prayer, as it were, that the bells represent in the city. And to me, you know, the sense of that civic presence of the church calling you on a Sunday morning is lovely and they were, for them it was just an annoyance and that seems to represent a sort of sense of self-absorption perhaps, it's probably in young people always generally, but also in current generations I think So take us through your comparison between the two styles of church, the mood Mm. they set between the modern and the traditional Well I think it's fascinating because the modern church, it's a beautiful it's a lovely building, it's very well designed and it has its own very quite compelling magic i'd say sort of spatial magic it's a little bit 
ambiguous in terms of its message on the streets. One facade is a sort of just a really an aluminium and glass, almost like an office building kind of facade, or you might take it for a an accountant's office or a vet. And the other entrance is a bit more ceremonial and quite grand. It's got a sort of a ramp up from the street and it's got a big cross incised into the front wall of the church above you. So you're sort of walking towards, and that's quite lovely, I think, actually, although you're not walking on axis with the cross, which I always want to do. You're walking slightly skew-if. But, um, and then when you get into the building, it's got a two-level foyer, so downstairs on one level, it feels a little bit like a convention centre, maybe, or something like that. And the upper level, it's more like a church, because you're in the space where that big cross is sending its light into so you get a sort of cruciform light coming in and that's quite beautiful but then you move into the auditorium itself which is called an auditorium and not not a nave um it's a lovely space and it's got some light from on high but to my mind it's too what you see is what you get <laughs> you say it's yielding to lounge room populism yes. and church in an age of consumption mm. cannot the church or buildings move with the times can they not be popular for instance yes. and wouldn't you want it to be consumed <laughs> well if, certainly if I were selling church that's what I would want I would want bums on seats I, I think I imagine that's what the church has always wanted but for me personally as a consumer if you like of church I prefer and, and as I say in the piece I think this is partly an aesthetic choice um, although it may also have some spiritual elements but I prefer the sense of it not being easily accessible and of it not being all obvious and you know WYSIWYG uh, of, it, of there being secrets and mysteries and unknown corners and crevices that you can't get to and if you do get to them you can't understand them fully I like in other words the sense of mystery about God <laughs> what do you like about that that's a very good question I like the sense of unknownness is fundamental to a sense of God um, and a God that you can know fully is by definition not a god, but a, a human construct. And I suppose I rely on that sense of greaterness and otherness to give me a sense of that sort of transcendence. My guess is the people at Barney's would say, well, you actually have both in the Christian faith. Yes, you have the mm. transcendent God, but you also have the man Jesus Christ, Son of God. Yeah, that's right. And of course, that's the Trinity thing, I suppose. Um, or at least those are two parts of the Trinity. And that's fine and that sort of if you like tension between the transcendent and the imminent god has always been part of christian theology and that's also fine and i believe in good works i do believe in the god of good works but i also am moved by for me it's about partly about being moved and i'm moved by a sense of to me, the sense of sacred is a sense of the mystery. Having tra travelled and having fallen in love with um, European, you know, the European Gothic, not even the Gothic, I mean, those little Anglo-Saxon churches I love too, the really old ones. It's partly a sense of oldness that I think I respond to and partly a sense of on-highness <laughs> and a sense of a greater power, a power that's not mine, that I'm not giving... I'm not in charge of this process. It's something that's in charge of me. Yes, I'm interested in those observations that... All this reflects a shift, in your view, of the power relationship between mm. God and humanity. Where once God was a given mm. and we were created, now it's we who are the given and you say God is shaped to fit. Yeah, I think that's right. Capitalist democracy, if you like, has given us a sense that the choice is always ours, that the consumer is always right. And that just as we have a choice between shampoos, we have a choice of 
you know, gods. <laughs> we can, we can uh, select this or that piece or aspect of cultural religion and we can put it together in our own way. And in some ways, I don't know that I necessarily object to that. But it, for me, it diminishes the godness of the sense of God. I think that the sense of not being in control of it is very important. And it's something that we modern humans don't often have because we're so used to being in control of everything all of the time and to presuming that that um, is one of our entitlements. That, uh, w- and I think that's really why we think we're entitled to um, destroy the planet because we just feel in charge of everything. But I think that's a mistake. Yes, uh, that's fine until reality hits and we do learn in yes. so many ways that we aren't in control. Yes, anyway. I know. And, yes. and of course, you know, death and sickness and all of the things that have always made humanity feel frail um, are still real and they do still kick in, but they're not nearly as obtrusive in our normal lives as they were, were yes. once. The Minister at Barney's has responded that a building will not give us a true experience of a transcendent God, mm. but only through the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the man. Mm. Hasn't yeah. he got a point? Yes, I'm sure he has. And I, mean, I have to yield to that because I couldn't call myself a Christian. Um, and I, in a way, you might say I don't have any business having an opinion about oh, this. Oh, no, I think the observations are interesting. <laughs> and he's right. The, it can't, the, the sense of God can't be inherent in the building. But I have to say, I've, I've visited you know, a number of churches, as everybody has, and I've traveled, I've made a point, I suppose, of visiting modern churches too, and the, the ones that, there are some modern churches that, for me, are very moving, and they all have a sense of the darkness as well as the light, and they are Le Cabousier's um, Ronchamp, but also La Tourette, which is a monastery in France, and uh, there's a Japanese lovely little thing in Osaka called the Chapel of Light by Tadao Ando, which just has a similar cross to the one at Barney's, but it's much simpler space. But it has a very fat depth of shadow <laughs> into which the light falls and which gives you that sense of on-highness. And the other one that I love is um, in Germany, actually, called a little chapel called the Bruder Klaus Chapel, which was actually made by burning out logs from the inside of a concrete sort of shell. So you get this blackened interior and then again light from on high. So I suppose maybe I'm just responding to the poetics of light. Maybe it's as simple as that, but I don't actually think so. I think there's something in the liturgy and so on as well for me. He ends his letter with this Mm. invitation, why don't you come and experience it for yourself? Now there's a challenge. Well, he has um, made that invitation personally and I... Well, he and I had a, a, a good talk over coffee, and he did make some of those points. And he may yet convince me, but I suspect not. I mean, I'm not, he may convince me about Jesus. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But he, in terms of the building, I think I will still need a sense of the poetry of darkness and the unknown for me to really be moved by it. And, and that goes for the language as well. I love the darkness and the language, whereas... At somewhere like Barney's, the point of the liturgy is to make it very clear and accessible and filled with daylight. And I just, I love the gloom in the language as well as in the building. Be interesting to see if you take up the challenge. <laughs> Elizabeth Farrelly, thank you so much for joining us That's on Open pleasure. House. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.